This is In Touch with In Touch. Join us as we create a path to a healthier planet by delivering sustainability solutions that reduce energy usage, drive profitability, and simplify facility management. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of In Touch with In Touch. I'm your host, Tyler Kern. Thanks so much for joining us for another episode of the program. Today, we're going to be talking about the seven steps to ensure a successful procurement process. And really, this is going to be a conversation about how to develop an RFP process. And so we're going to be talking about all of this today with Todd Brenniger, the Executive Vice President of Sales and Marketing at In Touch. Todd, welcome back to the show. Thanks for joining me. Tyler, as always, great to be here. Great to be with you. Thank you. Of course, happy to have you on the show today. And uh, Todd, let's let's start off here. Uh, you know, we're talking about these steps, and, and we have the steps, and we're going to go through all of those for people. But before we dive in, uh, give us a broad overview of what we're discussing today and why it's an important thing to discuss. So, one of the things that that we come across when we do RFPs that are uh, prospects and customers give us is distilling down really what they're looking for. And what we want to talk about today is how to create an RFP process that makes it easy for not only the company to generate qualified RFPs, but also for the vendors to really understand what you're looking for and how to respond appropriately to remove any of that confusion. That's a that's a really good point, I think. And, and I think that these steps do a great job of kind of laying out and leading to success in the areas that you're talking about. And so, um, so let's start off. Let, let's let's dive in. So step one, we're going to discuss um, identifying the problem. And that's where all solutions have to start, right? There has to be a problem in order for a solution to be introduced, right? So, so tell us a little bit more about identifying the problem and what goes into this process. Yeah, so when, when a company starts for an RFP, there's a problem. There, they, there's something they want solved. Whether it's a technology problem, a, a staffing issue, there are lots of different RFPs. Let's talk about it from energy management since that's that's my expertise. Uh, so what we look at is being able to, to quantify that problem. Now the quantification can be better, faster, cheaper. So cheaper, obviously they wanna spend less in energy than they're spending today. Mm -hmm. Faster, they, they feel that they need a solution now to be able to take advantage over the long term, better, something better than they have today. If they have a thermostat or if they have a control system today, they're looking for something better. But within each of those, there's a dollar figure attached. Let's right. quantify that dollar figure. So the company is looking to save 15% on their energy spend from HVAC spending. Well, now we have to talk to companies to find out what their track record is in that arena. And then when they talk about the delivery of energy savings, well, what are the costs involved? Not just the procurement costs, but the long-term costs. So when you look at the long-term scalability of a solution, is it additive or subtractive from your staff's needs today? Do I have to add staff or does this company like Entouch, provide a total managed service that's additive to your company so you don't have to worry about it. I think that's that's really well put. And I, I think you did a great job of explaining that. And so that's that leads us on to, to step two, right? Which is making a business case. So tell us a little bit more about what that means to, to make a business case and, um, and really begin kind of investigating the problem like you mentioned. Yeah, I mean, it, it's creating a document that details really four separate things. It's it's the problem you've identified, 
the impact it has on productivity and finances for the organization, the estimated ROI within the procurement. What is that ROI for the dollars you're going to spend? But remember, while people use logic to justify a decision, they make them based on emotion. So it, it's really you have to give the flavor of your organization when responding to an RFP. But in the RFP process, you also need to provide an avenue for a company to really tell you who and what they are and what they mean to your organization, not as a tactical solution, but as a long-term partner. When companies are looking for uh, an EMS solution or or a, a major solution in their organization, it's a partnership. It's not just one or two years. It's five and 10 years down the road. That emotion aspect is is really interesting and something I'm like most of the things we're going to talk about today are are really rooted in in data and rooted in in hard numbers and it's objective and that sort of thing. But that that emotional aspect is kind of the wild card in all of this, right? That there's there's an element of all of this that you just kind of need to be able to look across the table and trust someone or, you know, something along those lines, right? If you're going to spend money with an organization, so, something like that. There's there's um yeah, it, it, almost uh, a hard to calculate aspect of that emotional part of this. Yeah, and and when you're building your requirements document, and and you do want to lend uh, an air uh, an area of being able to to give the personality of the companies you're you're seeking responses from, and and it, it's not a, a wishy washy, but it's really understanding that partnership and the aspects. Of, of not just procurement, but past procurement with finance, with the technology teams, with facilities management, all of those different areas you're going to touch. And it's interesting on the emotion side, sometimes when you get an RFP in, you go, why are they asking this question? We have no idea. We don't, we don't understand what they're looking for. It's because they've tried to keep it so tight, maybe to eliminate any of that personality from that from that seeking, uh, shining through. But I really think when you develop an RFP to be the most successful possible, you need to be able to have an area in it where people can talk about the value they bring past the technology, past the price. Yeah, no, I think I, I think that's that's a really really good point, and um, yeah, just just one of those things that I think is always important to to keep in mind. So, um, so on to step three. Once we've identified the problem and built a business case, it's time to define requirements. Define your requirements. So you say this requires an, an open mind going into this process with an open mind. Tell us why that's the case and what it looks like to really define your requirements. So, in uh, I I used to work in the staffing world and. Um, someone would build a job recommendation or a, requ a requirement that uh, listed everything under the sun for this specific title to have. We call those purple squirrels because there are no purple squirrels there, unheard of. When you get, when you're starting to build requirements documents, really understand the have to have, gotta have, nice to have. Right. So the have to have are the, the bare minimum that you will accept. And then the got to have, I'd really like to have this stuff uh, on top of the bare requirements. And then the nice to have, having that separated in the three areas so a company can actually qualify themselves within those requirements and set clear objectives. Mm -hmm. So when you're looking at it, it's, you know, we have 
X amount of RTUs, we're an RTU-based facility. We need, we're looking for thermostat controls. We're looking for monitoring and management of our HVAC. We're looking for really predictive analytics and what do those look like? So those are the different levels that you're looking for and then have them price each of those levels so that you can make valid judgments on what is really gonna be valuable for your company, not only today, but also as a guide point moving forward where this solution can take you down the road. So you may start at, at A and end up at C, but in this RFP process, you're going to get an idea of scalability and the ability for a customer to deliver or a vendor to deliver in that life cycle that you may be looking for. You know, you, you describing that that have to have, you know, nice to have sort of thing and and thinking through it in that way um, reminds me a lot of like buying a car, right? To a certain extent, like there are certain non-negotiables when you're buying a car, but then there are other things that's like, you know, it'd be really, really nice to have a nice stereo system or something like that. But maybe for me, it's not, not all that important, you know, or, or something along those lines, right? You kind of go in with those parameters and this is kind of similar to, to, to what, you know, that, this, that situation might be like. Yeah. I can relate an example of, of we had a uh, RFP a couple of years ago come through and they said, we want the kitchen sink. We want everything. Right. Until they found out how much it cost. <laughs> and then they wanted right. the bare minimum. So being, if they had been able to, to say, hey, here's where we want to start. Give, give us the base to get us functional. And then let us see what the, what the migration or the scale of your solution could look like. And then attach pricing to that. And, and so when we actually respond to RFPs now, we give those options, even if they don't ask for them, because we want them to understand our recommendation. And then, yeah, the recommendation may be a midpoint, something more than just basic, and maybe not all the way, everything under the sun, because they may not be ready for it. It's a lot to undertake. Yeah, that's 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 a really excellent point, and th that really takes us nicely into to step number four, which is kind of where we get to the fun part, right? And that's reaching out to vendors. Now, uh, you say sometimes this step four can happen before or in conjunction with step three, right? Because sometimes in step three, as you um, you know, as you define your requirements, sometimes it's good to hear from vendors and to know what options are. But now let's talk about uh, reaching out to vendors. So you know, talk to us about how that works and maybe. Uh, the balance between step three and step four and where those things need to take place. So I encourage anybody that's looking to develop an RFP to go to some trade shows and talk to the different vendors, ask some questions, see what their solution is, how it fits in. And this helps you one, develop the RFP, but it also lets you understand who you might want to be talking with. Um, there is a list, you can get a list of, can get a list of those. Um, there are maybe five or six common companies in the world. You, you want to reach out to every single one of those because while their product, the thermostat or control might be similar, you want to see their service levels. You want to see how the people work. One of the things that we're known for in our market is we're nice people to do business with. We hear that from our customers. We hear that from our, our prospects. Mm -hmm. Our technology is great. 
Uh, it's very solid, very scalable, but they like to do business with us as people. And going to trade shows and, and looking at different vendors and making your list of who you want to go to, um, that's a good idea. Now, when you then put that RFP out to the world, you want to you, you, you don't want to send it to every single company that's out there. You want to pick your top maybe 10 because managing those RFPs coming in can be a very daunting proposition. And you want to make the process manageable and timely. Right, right. That's a really, really good point. So when you are requesting information from vendors, what sorts of things should you seek out? Um, what, what makes, um, maybe what, what makes a good request for information um, in, in your opinion? What, what, what sorts of principles make that up? So when I, I look at it, and I'm probably going to jump ahead to the next question because this kind of fits into it. It's, you know, how do you, how do you judge RFPs that come in. And and I'm a fan of having a weighted scoring analysis. So understanding what's most important to your organization and assigning a value to that one to 10 or, or however you want to do it. And when you're doing that, understand internally, price doesn't always win. You need to consider scalability and the actual ability to deliver a solution. So you may have a low price vendor can't scale. You may have a high price vendor who can scale phenomenally well and has excellent service capabilities. And you got to remember, it's a, it's, it's, it's not, you have to determine, is it a short-term fix or a long-term partner? Track tactical versus strategic. In an EMS solution, it's a long-term partnership. It's a 10 plus year partnership. And then is a solution, I talked about this a bit earlier, is it additive, neutral, or subtractive to the support, that you, to your ability to support it and manage it? And to manage, to evaluate vendors effectively, you need to assign a value to each of those criteria. Mm -hmm. It'll give you an objective measure uh, which vendors are going to be able to suit your needs and be that long-term solution, that long-term partner. I like that that idea of assigning values and scores and that sort of thing because it really, like you said, you use the word objective, and I think that's right. You know, you you get to see it on paper in a way that maybe helps make that make sense a little bit more, right? And, and so going through that process, I think, can be really valuable for companies. It, it is, and it helps you come down to that short list of who you want to run a test with or who you want to get final negotiations with. Yeah, I, I think that's right. So now that we kind of move on to that that final negotiations aspect, this is step six: make the final selection. But before this happens, right, it's important to to uh, I guess have in mind and to consider what your key negotiation points are, right? So why is that? Tell us a little bit more about that process. Well, when you start when when you select your final your your two or three that you really you think, yeah, these are people we can we can go to the dance with. Um, you have to determine, are you going to run a pilot test against the two or three final candidates? If so, you need to set a mutually agreed to um, terms of success criterion. Um, it's really important and often overlooked. Companies will say, hey, let's run a pilot, see how you guys turn out. But nobody publishes, okay, if you're successful, this will happen. To be successful, you have to do these things. Um, yeah. 
you talk about negotiation and and generally when people negotiate it's it's always on price mind you when someone is negotiating on price somebody's giving something up mm-hmm. so you need to understand what the trade-offs are some people may build uh, a bunch of pad in there for cost or for for negotiation um i'm not a fan of that i i don't i think that's kind of disingenuous uh but when you start negotiating it's service levels it's deployment schedules it's timelines it's um it's meeting the objectives of the organization that issued their the rfp and then what my company can do to satisfy those needs and yes price does come into it um but don't beat people up that have gone down this long road that you've chosen uh at the at the end because again it's a partnership moving forward and everybody wants to be good together. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. That really leads us nicely into step seven, which is engaging with your vendor, right? And and I think that the entire process leading up to this should, in theory, hopefully lead to a really successful and and beneficial partnership for for both parties involved, right? And so um tell us a little bit more about what makes this these successful partnerships in your experience when you've seen these things really working and come to fruition in ways that benefit everyone. What does that look like? And what are the fundamentals there? So engaging with a partner, and I'm, I think the engaging with the vendor is key critical, not only at the end of the stage, but earlier. Um, not wanting to speak out of turn, I don't think this is, but we are a company's, we get so many calls after another company won an RFP because it just didn't turn out well. Right. They weren't able to scale. Hmm. The people that sold the solution aren't the same people that run the solution on a daily basis. So my recommendation is get to know all of the teams early. Understand who runs operations. What is the operational philosophy? Operation is implementation and support. So what's the finance team like? really understand the people past the salespeople. Salespeople are the flashiest people in the organization. You want to talk to the people that actually get the work done. And you want to partner with those people and really understand them during that RFP and during the the pilot process, if there is one, uh, so that you understand who you're going to be living with for the next many years. That's right. That's, that's uh, I think, a great point. So as we kind of look at all seven steps in in summary, what do you hope people are able to take away from this conversation? If you synthesize this down into something that people can take away in a nice kind of bite-sized chunk, Todd, what, what should people maybe understand and walk away with after this conversation? Really understand your objectives, understand your financial objectives for the organization, both on the spend and save. Um, make sure that you aren't afraid to show some personality of your organization, as well as understand the personality of the vendors, get to know all of the people in the thought path and and the RFP path on the vendor side. Don't be afraid to partner early with people. And above all, just be upfront and tell people where they sit because it's a big investment on a vendor side as much, if not more so, than on the customer side in the beginning. Uh, Mm -hmm. When you're developing that RFP, 
think of all of the work the teams inside an organization go through to satisfy your need and and meet your goals. Right. Right. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a fantastic point, and I, I think very very well put and well said. And a great way to wrap up this episode. Todd Brunniger, Executive Vice President of Sales and Marketing at InTouch. Todd, thank you so much for joining us today, walking through these steps and, and really helping us understand how to develop an RFP and um, and the way to go about having a successful procurement process. It's been a pleasure. Much appreciated, Tyler. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for joining us for another episode of In Touch with In Touch. We appreciate it very much. Of course, for more, you can always visit intouchcontrols.com. That is the website. If you want to reach out, you want to learn more. If you want to get in touch with someone like Todd uh, to ask questions and to learn more about this process, make sure to do that on the website. That's intouchcontrols.com. And you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or find more episodes on In Touch's website there as well. And stay tuned. We'll be back soon with more episodes of the show. But for this this episode for Todd Brinegar. I'm Tyler Kern. We'll talk to you next time.